I'm just going with the flow. So, You're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Hey, welcome to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors, episode two. This is Keith Ely. This is John Whitnell. And Mark Martensik. First of all, thanks for the feedback, Mark. I know you've got really uh, good comments. John, you did as well about episode one. We love hearing from you guys. And um, if you would like to participate in sending us questions or comments or topics that you'd like us to, to dig into, go to keyadvisors.com backslash podcast to be in touch with us. Uh, today, we're going to talk about change management, and in particular, the question why, and why to change, why change is important, why change works, why change doesn't work, why we need to do this at all. We'll deal with the question why, and if we answer that question correctly, firstly, we have to ask it, but if we answer the question correctly and can describe the why correctly, describing that why correctly to those people that are involved in changing involved in the change process, that they understand why that change is important, why we're doing what we're doing is important, why what they're doing is important, we can get it done. Why is a really important question to answer and address, and if we don't ask it, if we can't address it, if we can't answer it, if we can't demonstrate it and make it come to life, it can really cause problems down the road as we're starting to undergo change to manage that process of change, to successfully execute it, to get it to stick. And to get that to happen, we have to get those people that are engaged in the process to understand it and to want to do it. That's where it all starts is is recognizing a need for change and communicating that need. Okay. A leader has to be a manager and a leader. Okay. Uh, He's trying to maximize the efficiency and achieve all the organizational goals with uh, with its management hat. But to do that, he needs to interface and engage with his people in order to initiate action and motivate people and, and provide that guide, guidance and, and, and building morale and so forth. And, uh, you know, I think I said last time, the easiest way to, to initiate change is make it their idea. So, from, with my manager hat on, if I see a need for change in the uh, organization because of uh, financial data or key metric data or feedback from our customers or where the industry is moving, it's always better if I can make it the, the stakeholders' idea, if they recognize that as well. So that engagement is really, really, really important. Yeah, I, I think, Mark... Uh just said a mouthful. As you're aware, in my job as uh, vice president of dealer operations, saw a lot of dealerships change hands, and I've seen a lot of examples where um, department managers within specific dealerships have, uh, have changed hands. So I've seen a lot of change in the dealer network. And if you were to ask the question, you know, what's the common denominator? When is when is change successful and when is change unsuccessful? Uh, I'd say uh, that communication piece that Mark talked about is is really so important um you know the 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 why and the successful changes that i have seen is when we've got a a leader coming in uh with a with a clear vision of uh, what he's trying to accomplish where the organization's going to go and frequently keith he contrasts that with uh, the existing performance of the entity and so he's able to paint a picture that 
why are we changing? We're changing because we're going in a different direction. We have a clear vision of where we want to go. And our old direction wasn't getting us where we wanted to go. So, so I think, uh, you know, just under that banner of communication that Mark had talked about, it's, it's really important to communicate where we're going, the vision for this organization, why we need to change, and uh, what, what specifically what that change means to individual stakeholders within the dealership. Um, again, that's, that's true whether you're talking about a new dealership going a new direction or a department manager that's just been put in charge of a new department. And, uh, and, and I think why we're changing, what it's going to look like, what's going to be different, and when it is successfully executed, why is this going to be a good thing for you as an individual? And I think to add to that, what it's going to do for you personally, not, not just the company. Uh, we always refer to it as a three-legged stool. Anything we do uh, should be good for the company. It should be good for our customer first and should be good for the employees as well. So uh, along with trying to make it their idea or getting their buy-in for the change, uh, which really requires leadership at, at multiple levels, not just at the top, but department managers as well, okay, there's got to be something in it uh, for for the stakeholders themselves that are doing it. Not money necessary, but making my job a little bit easier, making me more successful, making our performance for my department better and so forth uh, uh, is very, very, very important. You know, guys, I think this is an interesting discussion that we're starting to have here. Um, if you remember, we had Mike Sorelli from Echelon Front uh, meet with us, I don't know, give or take a year or so ago. And um, if you remember, Mike's a retired uh, scout sniper, I think, for the, from the Marines, and then he's a Navy SEAL. And one of the things that, that he talked about as they were getting prepared for missions and, and uh, to go out on patrol or whatever it was that they were doing was to really explain to their platoon, to their squad, to, to that group of people, the why, why they were going out to do this, okay? Not just that we're going to go five clicks and then do this and do that, but the why behind it. And that got the that got that group to buy into it and to uh, to start to own the mission. And I think getting people to understand that, you know, getting it to understand the why, that's what we're trying to talk about here is that why and understanding the vision and the mission so that uh, we have some chances of, of success. I'm going to bring Alan Fibbs now into our discussion. Alan's uh, part of our key advisors team, and he uh, he certainly is is one of our resident experts, if not the resident expert, uh, on on leadership within key advisors. Alan, can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you, Keith. We're talking about leadership and change management, and uh, and uh, starting to address the question why. Alan, you want to give us a little bit of background of who you are and what you've done and why we, why we should be talking to you today about this. Sure. Sure. Thank you, Keith. And uh, it's been interesting to listen to the three wise guys. Uh, my background uh, started my career as a CPA. And uh, while I am still a CPA, I, I don't practice uh, anymore, but starting there has really enabled me to connect and start developing relationships with, with people and uh, start to begin exploring and understand how people how people think and and what they do. <clears throat> Although it happened to me on a on more of a financial basis, 
uh, I began to get a, a bit more interested in the operation side of businesses. So I had several worlds and, and different business uh, industries, but um, had the opportunity through my career in accounting to to get to know a dealership fairly well, actually in my dealer group and that was in my hometown and uh, was was fortunate enough to, to go to work for them uh, and spend uh, five or six years running their business. And, and so uh, during that time period, I uh, got to know Keith fairly well. Um, we became friends before we became, became business associates and was able to, to join Keith's team uh, and be in different dealerships on a regular basis. And, and you know, much like my time in accounting, uh, especially in public accounting, uh, when you're in different businesses on a fairly regular basis, I started seeing some consistency from early in my career to the, the middle part of my career uh, to, to really make things happen. It, it, it involves people. And the people part of the business is, is oftentimes the most challenging um, part of the business. And, um, and, and then as I became more interested uh, in the people part of businesses, uh, then I became exploring uh, how, how can I be better at, uh, at influencing people. And uh, it led me to the John Maxwell team uh, two years ago. And uh, so I became certified with the John Maxwell team in, in leadership development, speaking, uh, training, coaching, and uh, have also gotten my DISC certification for administering and evaluating personal behavior assessments. So uh, that's my background. That's where I come from. That's uh, I'm often asked, how'd you get from where you, where you were to where you are? That's how I got from where I were to where, where I was to where I am. Alan, thanks for joining us. Hey, Mark, before we introduced Alan, we started talking about leadership and, and change and in particular change that's worked and change that hasn't worked. What What's one of the things that you've seen, Mark, that, that has really been a, a, a really detriment to, to things that to a change process that hasn't worked. Well, it, it really is leadership is the biggest uh, the biggest obstacle to overcome. Unfortunately, okay, many of us, myself included, early in my career, uh, were top down managers and not necessarily good leaders. That stops a change initiative cold. Typically, it's. Um, People, if they don't understand change, if they're not part of the change, if they don't know the why we're changing and, and buy into that, you're affecting their their uh, ind- individual work they do, their current processes, their, their job role, their workflows. Uh, you might be affecting their reporting structures and, and it certainly affects their behavior uh, and will stop the program cold. I've seen... I've seen, unfortunately, I've seen employees go out of their way to sabotage a change initiative. Uh, when I when I ask dealers, uh, have you had change initiatives that weren't successful? Why? It comes back to that communication and the knowing of why and getting the buy-in from the people. So uh, I'm thinking of one uh, service uh, engagement we did where we started with a with a group of stores and the the leader over the service department the the director was excellent at knowing what to get to get trucks fixed and 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 so forth but was not good at leading his people he was a top-down manager and uh, while we struggled and kept uh, teaching and kept repeating things 
they they moved the needle and and they were somewhat happy because they had a return on investment and they thought they were doing well but they were still leaving lots lots of opportunity on the table when we uh sat down with the uh upper leadership and restarted the program this time with a different service director unfortunately which doesn't happen that often uh within 6 months we were we were getting 90% of the opportunity they had uh, it was night and day, and it was because of leadership, uh, direct leadership. So leadership has to start at the top. I believe that with the dealer principal or general manager or or uh, maybe even board of directors, okay, but it has to cascade down to each level, and, and it has to affect the stakeholders positively, and they have to buy in to, to make progress. That was a real, real flip of the coin from a 20% increase on the bottom line to more than three times that once once we got the right people in place. John, I'm going to flip that question 180 degrees on you. So instead of one that, that just failed, uh, and, and Mark talked about one that, that failed and then it ultimately succeeded, What's been what's been your experience in, you know, in in a in in what's really made change work? One of the things that we've touched on several times this morning already is that leaders are great communicators, but great communicators also understand communication is a uh, is a two way process. So one of the common attributes in all the changes that I've seen is when the leader's astute enough to ask. Not, not only to communicate the change and why we're making the change, but also, did you understand it? Did you process it? Here's what we'd like to change in your department. Did you understand the changes that we're talking about? And do you have issues or concerns? So I, I think an important aspect of, of communicating the why and change is also making sure that there's clarity of the message uh, by, by whom it is that you're communicating with to make sure that they really get what this change is going to look like and what their department's going to need to do at the end of the day and have the opportunity to engage the leader to understand, did you mean this or did you mean that? Because sometimes these changes that we're talking about are really large and there can be some room for ambiguity in there. Alan, you know, it sounds to me like in in a conversation we just had with uh, John and Mark that leadership is not just somebody ordering somebody to do something. Because we, we see that most of the most of the things that we get engaged with with our customers are pretty major changes, and so they're not just direct orders of do this or do that. But it sounds like these are leadership challenges, and it's leadership that has to be sustained to make this happen. What's some insight you could give us and uh, give give our listeners in terms of of how to make change happen and how to lead it successfully? Well, thank you, Keith. And, uh, you know, what, what Mark and John had, had to offer both on the, uh, the less than successful experience and then the successful experience was, is very enlightening. Uh, a couple of things come to mind. Um, I, I heard it uh, said recently that leaders challenge and change current constraints and conditions. So, you know, when you think about that, it's, it's not change for the sake of change. It's change to make things better. And, and as part of the communication, whenever, whenever, you know, we're talking about making change to make things better, um, it needs to be better for everybody. And when we talk about everybody, it's every employee. And the what's in it for me is how is it going to make my work life better? Or how is it going to make my personal life better? And I think leaders uh, need to, to have that, that clarity uh, before going into the making a change. 
you know, one of the things that we, we often uh, joke about, um, but I think to a certain extent it's, it's still true, uh, is, is the, the 20 group format that, um, and it's a great thing and, and it's, it's good for, uh, you know, dealers or, or other leaders who are participating. And, and just because, you know, something's good and better for, for another dealership or dealer or dealer group doesn't necessarily mean it's good or better uh, for you. And um, so, you know, and when you step back and look at that, you know, you're thinking, uh, you know, strategy and, and culture and, and environment. And, and, you know, we've all heard it said that, that culture eats strategy for lunch. And I think, you know, when you think of culture, to me, culture is a way of life. So, so whatever change is, is that you're, that you're instituting, how does it marry up and, and align with your way of life? You know, changing an environment, changing his environment is the surroundings. Uh, so, you know, being able to change the environment, but not mislead the culture uh, of the business is, is critical. Uh, I recently heard the purpose of a leader described as this. The purpose of a leader is to solve and change the order of things for the better. And when things, you know, and we all have good intentions in, in changing, but so many times, uh, businesses and not just dealerships, but businesses in general, we try to do too many things. Um, you know, the, we, we like to change the urgent and, and not the important. And, and I've, I've said many, many times that important will carry you, but urgent will bury you. And, and so if we have too many things, too many things floating around, too many irons in the fire, um, it, it creates confusion quite frankly, among staff and, and employees. And, and when, it, when it boils right down to it, it to, to Mark and, and John's point and, and yours too, Keith, it, it starts with the leader. And I believe it starts with an awareness. Uh, and, and that awareness of who I am as a leader. And we all have natural behavior preferences. And they're all different. And, and once we have an awareness of that, we can understand that we're predictably different. It's also important to understand just because we're different doesn't mean that we're wrong. It, it means communicating. It means that, you know, the leaders that, that want to be up on top of the mountain looking down, they need to come off of the mountain and meet the people where they are and understand what their preferences are. You know, research has, has shown that. Uh, hey, the, hey, Alan, can, yes, hey, Alan can, I inter- can I interrupt you for a minute? Absolutely. Because, because you've, you've said a mouthful in about two minutes and. I, I would I would ask ask John and Mark uh, a question, then I'd like to get your take on this. So you you talked about culture and the idea of of culture being so important. Um, you know, John and and Mark, and, and then Alan, I'll come back to you and and certainly chime in when you'd like. But but when we talk about culture, how do and we hear this term all the time. I mean, Mark, you and I heard it huge on Wednesday at the at the deal we were at together, uh, talking about this term culture. How do we define culture? How does somebody go in and define it? And how does somebody work within that culture to address whatever it is that you're wanting to address? Uh, you know, I was on the on a call this morning where we we're talking about complimentary inspections. It's very evident within the culture of of that dealership group that no service manager 
really cared about doing complimentary inspections. They got beat over the head with it, but nobody really cared about it because it's not part of that culture. Mark or John, how, how do you address this culture thing as, as you go about as you go about addressing change? Keith, my sense is culture um, is really defined by consistency, and I think that the successful have always been oriented around the customer. And so these changes that you're talking about typically need to be framed within the context of how are we going to serve our customers more effectively under the change that we're trying to implement here. And so I, I would start the conversation on culture there. If your employees think the, uh, the, uh, the culture of the dealership is really about, about uh, trying to make more money, uh, that's not as compelling and urgent to, to most employees at the dealership is understanding how they're going to have better customer experiences because the customer understands that we're trying to take better care of them than we have historically. I, th- I think you're right, John. You know, culture isn't just used in business. Probably if I looked up the definition, it's a way of life for a group of people, right? Okay, the way they do things. Uh, the culture in uh, Italy is different than the culture in France and, and so forth. And businesses are the same way, okay? It's it's the pattern, it's the knowledge, it's the belief, it's the behaviors going on uh, within that uh, organization. And you always hear the term enabling culture. So what does that mean? Well, a culture that that enables people to do better. And, and again, I think that comes right back to leadership and what Alan was talking about. I think it comes back to engagement with my people, uh, to instilling meaningfulness in their roles, to have a complete understanding of what their role is to achieve the mission of the company or the goals and objectives of the company, and what are the daily daily duties uh, uh, that that they're expected to to accomplish in order to achieve their daily goals, and some sort of uh, scorecard giving them feedback particularly with the younger generations, they like a lot of feedback. They want, they want an enabling culture. They want to do better. Uh, and without it, they'll just move on to another job. So uh, to instill a culture, it's not something you can buy in a shelf and just say our culture is this, okay? Um, it, it's something that, that is, it, it exists now. Every dealership has a culture. Some of them are toxic, not too many. But a lot of them could be a whole lot better and has a direct effect on the ability to change things when change is happening. You know, change is happening all the time in your organization, right? Every day there's new initiatives from the OEM or, or because a new employee was hired or, or uh, a new product was uh, uh, brought into our line and, and so on and so forth, okay? Uh, a new piece of technology that we're using and so forth. Uh, so change is a, is a constant, right? Uh, it's it's when we make a big deal about the change that people will arch their back if they don't believe in the change and move forward. And that's part of the culture. If the culture is that we all have a goal, and that goal is different at different levels, we all have a goal and we all care about achieving that goal, which comes from the engagement of a true leader, okay, um, then you're much more likely of achieving that goal. Well, I think the I think the culture is is defined by 
uh, as, as I said, and Mark alluded to is, is the way it's a way of life and, you know, and the way you do business from a business standpoint. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I think I believe and, and, and a lot of successful businesses believe that, that you hire for, for culture and, and character, integrity, you can teach them the business. I was with a dealer group this week and, and, and thoroughly impressed and, and, and firmly believe that they just happened to be in the dealership business. I think they could take that group of leaders and, and the owners and, and they, they would be successful in, in any business. You can teach them, teach them the business. You know, one of the things Richard Branson says that, that if you, um, if you take care of your employees, they'll take care of your customers. So, so I don't, I, I, I might disagree with John a bit uh, that it's not all about the customer because if you put too much focus on the customer and lose sight of your employees, uh, they're not going to be there to take care of your customer. I, I think Keith, to answer your question, is that that you know in a culture, you know, b- belief systems have to align, and and when they're out of alignment, whether it's with with individuals or whether it's with one person. Then, then I don't believe there's there can be much success. Can you adapt and and um, and uh, complement? Absolutely, but it that starts with awareness and and you know the the disc the disc profiles disc is an acronym for for determined, influencing, um, stable, and and conscientious. And Interestingly, when, when you think about that, of all the DISC assessments that have ever been done and, and millions of people, I suppose, the results show that 70% of us, our natural behavior style resists change. And so knowing that's, that statistically 70% of the people are going to resist change, that or you know they're not going to just throw up their hands and say, no, we're not going to change, but they're going to be slow. They're going to analyze it. They're going to want to know. And, and, and those people, we, you started the, the, the uh, podcast talking about the why. These are the people that need to understand the answer to why is this important and what difference is it going to make to me? You get, that's, that's nearly 70% of the population because they're going to be slow to change uh, they're going to need time to analyze, and they want to know why. Now, you get to the another almost 20% of the population. They're cautious, conscientious, and analytical, and they want to know, how are we going to do this? So if you take, you know, almost 90% of the population want to know why and how. And, and so I think that's important for, for any leader to know. But But then... You know, when when you're moving into change, leaders have to be flexible as well. You have to be flexible. You know, it's not just one way of doing things. You know, get the feedback from your employees like, hey, this isn't working. Uh, I think we should do it this way or I think we should try it this way. I mean, you, you think about uh, the best sports teams, uh, the teams that win championships, um, that, you know, the best coaches uh, are leaders that, they make adjustments. They make adjustments during the game, uh, but you know they make the halftime adjustments. I mean, I could think back several years ago in the Super Bowl when when Atlanta was just running away with the Super Bowl, and and the opposing coach, I believe, it was the Patriots. Um, somebody correct me if I'm wrong there, but 
but came back and made a change. I mean, even in even in college football, uh, a national championship game, changed quarterbacks. I mean, so so that changed the whole dynamic of the game, and and you know, and the opponent uh, wasn't. Um, you know, didn't didn't adjust accordingly. They stayed with their game plan and weren't able to adjust. So, so, and all that being said, it takes people to make the change and understanding that everyone has a role and understanding their role uh, to make that change happen. And then to Mark's point, enabling them to take their skills and abilities and the role that they play, and and to do what they can do to make to make things to make the change effective and, and successful. Hey, Alan, yeah. uh, don't you believe, uh, or at least I believe, you know, company culture is nothing more than a reflection of what your organization, your business stands for. Absolutely. It's your brand. Absolutely. Okay. And I think, I think uh, Tony Say said, uh, as an example, if you think about airlines, and certainly the four of us travel a lot on airlines, what do you think about? You think about, the, you know, rude people or, or uncaring people, indifferent people, late planes, uh, uh, schedule problems, not enough employees sometimes, uh, archaic way that they load and unload them and so forth. And whether they like it or not, that is their brand, right? Okay. Absolutely. So if, if your culture can define a business and make a difference uh, in retaining employees, okay, uh, it certainly has an effect on your ability to make change more efficiently. Uh, and, and again, I, I keep saying it comes back to the leadership. Okay, at, at but all it levels. does. It does, Mark. And I, I, I was fully expecting you to add another sentence there, uh, that that you know when, when it's reflective of employees and, and your ability to retain employees directly impacts your ability to retain customers. Right. Right. Hey, hey, John. As you know, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about your history. Uh, prior to Whitnell Analytics and KEA, with uh, as as VP of Dealer Ops and some of the other roles that you you held, you know, listening to, listening to Alan talk about the the reluctance or or the need to understand the why and 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 the people issues and all that. How much of that when you when you guys would go to a to a dealership and say, "Hey, we need we need this to, to happen. We need we need more market share. We need to do this." You know, from a dealer op standpoint, what what was the the feedback and the, the kickback you would get uh, from you know from from that dealer that you would you would be having that conversation with? I guess why would they say, "Oh, we can't do that, John"? The feedback that, that we would get is uh, number one. I'm not sure the leader had the vision to understand that there were challenges in the business that if they didn't make changes would be fatal to the business. So th that would be my, my first reaction to your question. Thanks, John. Appreciate that, that answer. I, you know, you're, you're talking about vision and you're talking about the leader getting that, that, that vision out. Mark, you've talked about, about communication and, and the why, and then Alan, you're, you're talking about people as well. One of the things we run into, uh, you know, almost not on every engagement, but a whole lot of these major overhauls in a department or a dealership is, I can't do that now because I don't have the right person in place. And Mark, you make a comment, some something like, 
you're never going to have the right pe- every person in place. Yeah, first of all, where where would you find them, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, you've got to you've got to build your own, and and my experience is that that everyone will not be a superstar, but almost all of them are able to significantly improve the situation if you can get the buy-in and get them engaged. Okay, so so Alan, I guess the question for you is, you know, we we've got that you've got that whether it's an engagement with key advisors or it's the the service manager trying to address this on their own but they say, I can't do it because I don't have the perfect advisors in place. So I'm going to wait to get the perfect advisor. How does somebody from, you know, from a leadership standpoint, go and address this. So they're not waiting 12 months and they lose, you know, Mark talked about the, the dealer that, that, that eventually got the right person in place and they picked up 90% of the opportunity. Well, that's something like one half million dollars a year that they picked up. They they waited two years to get that one half million bucks rather than forty percent and continue to get better. So how does somebody address that now and saying you don't have to have the perfect person? What you have right now is probably good enough, but we want to help you get better. Well, I, I, two things come to mind, Keith. Uh, first is a change in mindset, and and we all we all as human beings uh, have a a level of limiting beliefs that go along with what you just said. We, we don't, we won't, and we can't because, and fill in the blank. Um, the change of mindset is be the cause to be, do, and have. And, and so the change of mindset is adding a word to the beginning of, of the we can't sentences up until now. We couldn't, we didn't, we wouldn't because. And then find a solution. Part two of that is is called collaboration, is that that nobody's on an island uh, in and of themselves, be it the leader or be it the the team members, and and so collaboration is is imperative. Uh, Kent uh, Ely and I were with a, a dealer group this week, and uh, we were having a conversation about parts and regarding cycle counting, and the conversation went along the lines of, well, we can't because, and you can fill in the blank. Well, we can't because we don't have enough people to do it. We don't because the scanners don't work. And through collaboration among, oh, somewhere in their neighborhood of 13, eh, probably more 10 people, um, that they realize that, you know what? We don't have to use technology. We can print out count sheets and go do <laughs> and go do cycle counts, and it was just a, a collaboration. And, you know, and sometimes we get so caught up in the box, um, you know, that we can't even think outside the box. So it's get out of the box, turn around, look in, and see what's there, what you have, uh, and being able to make that change. But again, it's 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 a it, it's what's important, and it's focusing on a smaller thing than a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but collaboration is critical, and, and for the leaders. To, to um, embrace that collaboration means that you, you get down, you get out of your office, you get out of your chair, and you walk with your people. Don't pull them, don't push, push them, walk with them. You know, it's been said that if you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Relative to the comment about looking for the perfect person, you know, we spent a lot of time here this morning kind of talking about the perfect process. 
and um, in the changes that I've seen that have worked out well, uh, you know, it starts with the right guy communicating clearly, unequivocally communicating the message, soliciting feedback. I think Mark touched on that quite a bit. He called it engagement. And then the third step in that perfect process, you got to have the feedback loop in place. You have to have the performance metrics well-defined. The, the people have to understand why those metrics are the right metrics for measuring performance. Then they have to have access to that. So it's, it's, it's the message clearly communicated. It's soliciting engagement and understanding and having all the feedback loop pieces in place so that you can, you can in a real-time basis, make sure that What's, what's going on in terms of the success of the change implementation? I I think, Mark, you you and I have seen this a bunch, and Alan, you certainly have as well. John, I'm, I'm sure from your experience you have, but I, I think what we see happen is we see people wanting perfection, and so they want to get the perfect person, the perfect process, and they won't do it until they know that, hey, all my scan guns work, or I know I can count 10 bins a day, or I get my perfect, I get my perfect used truck reconditioning process, or whatever it is. Ah. And I, I think we they tend to try and get perfect before they get progress. And I think somehow we've got to get that flipped, where it's progress over perfection. And, and Mark, you get this term like good is... Good is the enemy okay. of great. Good is the enemy of great. Think about that for a minute. Uh, if, if I'm doing good, do I really need to change? Right. Right? Okay. Even though there may be five times the opportunity out there. Another one that I really like is never let a failure not get used because that's a learning moment, right? It absolutely is. Failure is not the opposite of success. It's a stepping stone to success. The mission of Key Advisors is to increase profit for our commercial dealership clients by transforming their businesses and their business operations to best-in-class. We do this with a variety of services, with advisory, education programs, and business intelligence. Alan, what else would you like to bring into this discussion? We've kicked this idea of culture and and, uh, starting to address the why. Well, I think the only thing that I might add, Keith, is to make it achievable and realistic, whatever it is, to bite-sized pieces. And I'll, and I'll expand just for uh, 30 seconds on the um, cycle counting. Uh, when they, they, they went down the, you know, we don't because we don't have the staff. And all we did was a simple calculation. How many active part numbers do you have? A thousand. Okay. And so how many days a month are you open? And, and so you take those thousand parts and 20 days out of the month, and you're talking about um, 500, you're talking about 50 part numbers a day, 50. And, you know, yeah, some are going to have more and some are going to have not even any. So you captured that part number. So when then it's not overwhelming. And I know one of Mark's favorite is is a 100 RO survey. And when you tell service managers, yeah, we want you to do a 100 RO survey every month, they'll look at you like, you're, you, you know, what planet did you just come in on? Well, when you narrow that down, 100 ROs, and if you're open 20 days a month, that's five ROs a day, assuming you're closing them. So when you get it down into to manageable pieces, it's not overwhelming. It's not overwhelming. And then, you know, then you take the other the other things that we've talked about along with it, you know, and, and you, you're going to get success um, as opposed to just accepting that we can't, won't, or don't do it. 
because. I really like the notion of uh, progress over perfection because I do think a lot of us get uh, get kind of caught in the in the trap of trying to be perfect. Um, I, I think that's the uh, my I think the closing step for me in terms of the, the process and change management, which is successful, is the dealer principal that's uh, committed to ride through some of these choppiness and the bumps that happen along the way. Oftentimes, the path to execution isn't real well defined. We just know where we want to go. So, I think the last step, if if the dealer principal is committed to to the change and making all this come together, I, I think that's a really important element of successful change in, in the dealership operation as well. We live in an ever-changing world. And I think dealerships thrive, can thrive in an ever-changing world. To do that, they've got to be good at change management. And to make change management a little bit easier, you've got to create that culture, that environment of continuous improvement with your people. And leadership is needed, and they're responsible for creating that environment, that culture, that fosters that continuous improvement, okay? Using guiding questions, not always answers, supporting people, uh, testing the hypothesis maybe before you move forward, definitely celebrating wins, and, and having a group of winners working for you, both for performance and process as long as it's aligned to what's good for our customers, what's good for the dealership, and what's good for the employees. Certainly, we could have this discussion on leadership and change management in particular and answering the question why. We could have this discussion for four more hours and probably probably do it justice, but um, maybe we'll come back and do this some more sometime. Alan, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it's always good to have wiser people than uh, than the three wise guys on this on this podcast so thanks for joining us well thank you it's uh, it's an honor to be to be part of the of the wise guys and and you know I might I might just toss out there for for our listeners that you know if you if you if you have an interest in um, in gaining a, a, a better awareness of, of yourself and your your um, individual uh, behavior preferences um, please reach out to us. Uh, we can we can schedule a a, um, uh, a disc assessment uh, and a debrief if you uh, interested in going deeper with your leadership team or your entire staff. Uh, we can arrange that uh, as well. We also have executive uh, summary reports that would uh, that would um, compile. Uh, your your entire team and, and give you some thoughts on here's the makeup of your team here's how you can communicate better collaborate better uh, get things done uh, in a better a better way so um, reach out to key advisors and um, I would certainly be willing to have conversation with you to provide that opportunity to uh, administer and and debrief uh, disc assessments at, at whatever level uh, there was an interest I think as as we as we consider change, as you consider change in, in your business, uh, in your personal life, uh, be aware, be intentional uh, of your your behavior preferences and the behavior preferences of those around you, and uh, and you'll find success. So thanks, Alan, again for joining us on podcast number two, and uh, we'll be doing these every month. John, anything else from you today? In closing, Keith, I'd like to say that uh, you know change is uh, is not hard. 
and change doesn't require a dynamic leader. It just requires discipline and respecting the process. I think we spent some time talking about that. And, uh, and I, I think respecting the process would be the most important advice that uh, we could give to our clients. So thank you all for listening again. Okay. If you didn't get enough of us, we'd love to hear from you. Go to keyadvisors.com slash podcast to leave comments, ask questions, make fun of us, or give us feedback. If, if you've got a book you'd like to recommend to us, we're all ears. We spent a lot of time in airplanes. We'd be glad to read it. Got an example from your dealership that, that could relate, that we can relate to or, or help you with or use as a topic, please let us know. And uh, thank you very much for listening, as always. This has been the Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. We're out. Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors. We'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback, comments, and questions to info at keyadvisors.com.